Hey, you have tuned in to the I Am Somebody podcast, where every day is a fresh start. And I'm your host, the Mad Therapist. And today, we're going to have a discussion about mental health. Mental health disparities in African Americans, specifically uh, men, black men, and mental health. We have a guest who's going to be calling in to us shortly. Uh, and he just recently uh, had a TED talk uh, on black men and mental health. Uh, his name is Nafis Ricks. He's currently an, um, an assistant, a graduate assistant uh, from the University of Missouri. Um, and he's going to be talking about his highlights, some of his highlights of his, uh, of his life and some of the low life um, of his life and reference to uh, mental health and dealing with uh, a mental health uh, issue um, he had. Um, but he's doing well now, you know, and he's going to tell us all about it. And he joined us. What if I was to tell you that there are, and you probably know this, but there African Americans make up. 13% of the U.S. population, right? And we know that African-American communities across the United States are culturally diverse with African, diverse from, with Africans, you know, um, coming from either Ghana, you know, um, uh, Ethiopia, and Zimbabwe, you know, South, South Africans, um, uh, Gambia, you know, we have all different types of, you know, uh, immigrants from African nations. Then we have Caribbean, uh, Blacks, we have Central American and other countries, right? Do you know that 27% of African Americans live below um, the poverty level? And that's compared to only 11% of non-Hispanic whites. Did you know that approximately 30% of the households, black households, are headed by a woman with no husband present? And that's compared to 9% of white households. This is population information. What are some of the challenges that with these numbers, as far as the African-American population, what are some of the challenges that exist? Health challenges. 11% of African-Americans are not covered by health insurance, compared with about 7% for non-Hispanic whites. The death rate for African-Americans is higher than whites for 
heart disease, stroke, cancer, asthma, influenza, and pneumonia, diabetes, HIV, AIDS, and homicides. Did you get that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine issues that are challenges for us. The CDC estimates that African-Americans represent, represent more than one third, more than one third, which is 40% or almost 500,000 of all people living with HIV, HIV, and almost half, which is 45% of all persons with newly uh, diagnosed since diagnosed infection as of 2015. Uh, those numbers are, are dramatically scary. Those numbers don't tell the whole story of the health challenges that we exist, that exist, and that are, that Blacks in America are facing. But they give us a a a, a window into some of the reasons and the mental health issues that exist within uh, black men and the black community in general. Over the past year, black men versus black women, women are 10% more likely to, to use health services where men only use health services about six and a half percent. It's not good. And that's compared to white men who use it at 11%, but Asians get this and Hispanics use it 4.5 and 5.5%. So they're speaking less or seeking services less than we are in America. And, and we can understand why Asians and Hispanic do because culturally they're not American if they weren't born here, you know? And so we can see and that white women seek services Mental health services at 21%. Wow. I mean, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We need to get better, first and foremost. So, there are some facts. There are some stats. What do you think is the reason of the disparities that exist with Blacks when we talk about mental health. Well, you know, I always give, when I always give this advice or give this opinion, you know, that we all suffer from a mental health issue. It's just that some have more support and have been equipped or learned some coping skills to deal with that mental health issue. 
But don't make no mistake about it. We have, all of us, have a mental health issue. And this has been going, going on since the beginning of time. You know, mental health issues can range from, it can be due to loss, whether it's moving, whether it's in a divorce, whether it's losing life, whether it's moving from a school, you know, your favorite toy. If you're not equipped and your parents didn't teach you how to cope appropriately, you can, you know, have a mental breakdown. You can become really, really upset. A tantrum. A tantrum can now turn into anger issues, which can, which can turn into uh, uh, um, uh, ODD, oppositional defiant disorder, right? If that is not dealt with appropriately at a young age, anxiety, phobias, all of these things. It's not just schizophrenia. It's not just depression, right? Abuse, trauma brings on a lot of things, a lot of mental health issues, physical, mental, social, and emotional. One thing can lead to another. So rates of mental illness in African-Americans are similar with those in the general population. Yet, Disparities exist in regard to mental health care services. Blacks often receive poor quality of care and lack of access to culturally competent care. Why is that? Only one in three African-Americans who need mental health care receive it. Why is that? How come? Black Americans with any mental health, any, any mental illness have lower rates of mental health services used, including prescription medication and outpatient services. But we use higher inpatient service outcome. Black Americans, the rate of illicit drug use is slightly higher than the national average. However, the rate of alcohol use is slightly lower than the national average. And the rate of opioid overdose among African-Americans is less than half of that of non-Hispanic whites. One more thing before we take a break. Compared to whites, African-Americans are less likely to receive guidance, a guideline consistent care, and less frequently included in research, they're more likely to use emergency rooms or primary care rather than mental health specialists. These are some of the uh, services and the disparities in a mental health status. When we come back, we'll be joining uh, joined by Nafis Ricks. And again, he will give us some highlights and low life and he'll talk about his podcast, uh, of, of his TED Talk, excuse me, uh, Black Men and Mental Health. We'll be right back after these messages. Thank you. Yeah, ain't talk to mama in two months now. Can't take the drama. It's too much now. Yeah. 
on the screen and it seems like I need to be clean. This next line is probably gonna shock you. I was truly thinking about going to see a doctor, but nah, bruh. I'm trying to live conscious, meditate, elevate, but I feel like I'm haunted. And all they say is, man, we proud of you too. But what it mean when you ain't proud of you too? I mean, what's the one that with you too? When you feel like you is not allowed to be true too? Best friends gone, stab me in my back. A lot of time my face is stuck from a nigga stack, that's right. No complaining, I'm just saying. Roll that split and back and blazing. Welcome back. And this is the mad therapist, Anthony Saifullah Collins. And you're listening to the I Am Somebody podcast, where every day is a fresh start. Uh, I'm going to bring in our guest, uh, Nafis Ricks, and going to ask him some a couple questions about mental health. And he's going to tell us some highlights and lowlights of, uh, of, you know, of his life. And if you guys, you know, have any questions, again, you can hit us up at Instagram at The Mad Therapist, Facebook, uh, Anthony Collins. Uh, if you want to throw an email to me, vertebrae at yahoo.com. And you also hit me at anchor.fm forward slash I am somebody 215. Hey, Nafis, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Great, great. I'm, 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 I'm doing well, man. You know, just... Dealing with the madness, uh, while well, I do some Uber here and there, and you know everybody asks me a bunch of questions, and people have their opinion on what's going on right now. Um, and 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 everybody has an opinion, but you know people are dealing with what's going on differently. You know, um, some some are dependent on a higher being. And putting their trust in, in God, and some are just, you know, out there feeling really anxious. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, uh, besides that, you know, life still goes on. Um, tell us, tell the audience who Nafis Ricks is. Um, well, Nafis Ricks is somebody who's uh, resilient, strong, uh, has a vision on helping people. Uh, from West Philadelphia, uh, born and raised, uh, and looking to inspire the young adults and the people that's out there that's going through mental illness or mental health problems or issues that they don't know how to cope with things and, yeah. you know, just trying to show people the way. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And so, what are you currently doing right now? Uh, well, currently I'm a, a graduate assistant at the University of Missouri under Conzo Martin, uh, and just using uh, my basketball platform to catapult, uh, my career and hopefully becoming a counselor psychologist. Well, we'll become a counselor psychologist for mental health. Gotcha, gotcha. Awesome, awesome. Uh, you re- recently had an event, right? Yes. Okay. What was the event about? Uh, so it was, it was a TED Talk that I got invited to. Uh, it was destigmatizing mental health for a black male. So uh, they liked uh, without my story, and I got to tell my story in a small snippet. And it was a great, uh, great audience, a group of kids, mm-hmm. and you know, I got to deliver my message and share my story. Got you, got you, and and tell us just some highlights or some, you know, some lowlights about your story and, and mental health struggles. 
Oh, well, the, 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 the positive thing, I got help. I wasn't afraid to get help. Uh, it took me some time to even recognize that I was going through uh, mental illness and multiple mental illness, dyslexia, uh, depression and anxiety, and some traumatic events that happened throughout my life. And uh, the downside of, of it was really just understanding who I was. It took me 29 years to find out who I was mm. as a person. I'm currently 32 now, but yeah. it took me 29 years to really sit down and understand that it's, a, it's, it's that you can deal with mental illness and you don't have to let it define you and everything. And your life can still move in a positive direction as long as you're seeking help and you're doing the right things to cope with anything that you're dealing with. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. It doesn't stop. Um, right. and, and the destigmatizing starts with uh, the language that we use, you know, with individuals that uh, have mental mental um, health issues, you know, uh, like not saying someone, um, look at that person, he's a schizophrenia, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or and, and you just say, you know, he this is a person who's diagnosed or um, so and so has uh, schizophrenia, he has a disability, and things like that. Not labeling him by the illness that he he or she is exhibiting. Um, right. yeah, yeah. So I, I get that. And, you know, you being, um, 32 and y- you're interacting with other young, uh, men. Um, and, and I don't know if you recall, um, Eddie Griffin. I mean, not, is it Eddie Griffin? Yeah. Eddie Griffin, um, from Roman and he, you know, uh, uh suffered from depression. And as well as um, just being from the Philadelphia area, um, Delonte West and what, what his struggles right now highlighted mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the media. Um, and also, you know, the other NBA uh, players, Kevin Love, uh, De- DeMar DeRozan, and also I think Royce White really brought mm-hmm. it uh, to an attention where he was, yeah, anxiety. He couldn't, you know, fly, which you know prompted his NBA career not to, you know, to to you know derail or whatnot. Um, but I had a conversation with Coach uh, Brown, um, and uh, you know, I, I, I took my shot, you know, saying that I was a you know, clinical mental health therapist, and um, if um, the young guy uh, at the time was having trouble uh, on the court. And I, I would love to sit and talk. But, you know, he told me in a kind way, it's no, it's no opportunity there, young man. But, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about mental health and how the NBA is uh, looking at it now. And, and I mentioned um, Eddie. And he was like, wow, yeah, he was like the first case. And I'm, I'm sure it was other cases outside of that. But that, you know, they didn't handle that well, you know. Um, right, right. They didn't handle it well. Yeah, so... Um, this is something I think is a great and I appreciate you um, uh, using your platform um, to, to talk about that um, and to pro- provide uh, some uh, advocacy um, in Missouri where you're at right now. And also, you know, in, in your if you return to Philadelphia. Um, so you, you spoke about uh, uh, co- your coach. What? prompted you to um, uh, talk to your coach about your struggles? I think the biggest thing was uh, I seen myself uh, declining on the basketball court. Mm -hmm. You know, I I used to be intimidated and scared to uh, work out because I was just like, I had so much fear of failing. 
And that was a big thing. And I kept saying, like, I was comparing myself to my teammates and now I see them finish and it's like, I'm doing the same work. I'm lifting weights, I'm running. And it's just like, I just couldn't beat that mental uh, breakthrough. I couldn't get that mental breakthrough where I was feeling confident about myself going to workouts or, mm-hmm. you know, it's a fear of felling. And I think once I had like a real bad breakdown and, and I said to myself, I almost dropped out of college and it's just going to, there was so much things that were going around and then I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't articulate myself the way I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I just, I felt like my coach was the only, the closest person that I could talk to about it without feeling judged. Coach with me from East St. Louis, uh, being from a similar background of relatability of looking at a black man at this uh, environment. And mm-hmm. my, my biggest thing was, you just, I don't want a coach that just coached me on a basketball court. I want a coach that can coach me in my life. And that's what I felt like the comfortability of seeing a black man that, had similar struggles and everything like that. So mm-hmm. really with the relatability and looking within myself is like something wrong. It's like, if these guys can finish a workout, I know I've been through, I'm from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't see any people get shot. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see rest in peace signs all the time. My brother was murdered when I was 14. So that really, for me, is like, if I don't get help, I might end up doing something to hurt myself or hurt somebody just because wow. I didn't, I didn't know how to handle the trauma that I was, I went through as a kid. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was really the relatability of seeing a black man and being open and honest about what my struggle was to get help and, and not feeling like uh, I was less than anybody from getting help. Got, got you, got you. How, what would you say or how would you rate having, uh, you know, in your in, in your in your um, uh, experience, uh, your coach was uh, someone who you can go and talk to, and like you say, he was relatable. Uh, and, it, and most likely became a mentor, even a mentor now. Mm-hmm. How important you think that is in individuals' lives who suffer with uh, mental uh, health issues? Uh, I think it's a big thing with representation. I think uh, black mental health is totally different from any other mental health because of the, the history of this country. Mm-hmm. I mean, as you as you as you can see, slavery played a big role in I mean, of what today is going on. But I think. For me, I mean, you got to have somebody, like, in order for me to do something that's out of the ordinary, you know, back in Philadelphia, you go to the block or you play basketball. It's like, mm-hmm. it's two options, and I, or you become a rapper. And I said, for me, gotcha. I wanted something different. I wanted something different for myself. And seeing a guy that's a head coach in a Power 5 conference, but at the time he's at a mid-major conference, I think it was a big accomplishment and something that I wanted to see myself become a professional, not just on the basketball court, but a professional in my life. So mm-hmm. for me, it's all about representation, seeing yourself in this atmosphere where it's comfort, comfort. It's like, but you don't see yourself or you don't see nobody that you can look up to. I think it's a hard gauge to break. I mean, to even attempt to go after something like that and seeing yourself in a professional setting because in our neighborhood, you're not, it's, it's like almost like it's wrong for being educated. It's mm-hmm. wrong for suppressing your feelings on telling how you feel and the inside you soft and I, and I think it's hard for kids to articulate that because you want to you want to fit in as a kid you want to fit in even as an adult you want to fit in you want to feel like you belong in certain groups and stuff like that so I know for me just always having representation and somebody that you can talk to on a grassroots level to feel comfortable about yourself gotcha gotcha and, and I, I like that that out of the ordinary triple O's you know what I'm saying um, being unique and and and, and uh, attempting to make your mark um, in in a, in a environment that you know tells you, as you said, you know you're soft. You know we don't talk mm-hmm. about those type of things here. You know, boy, no, no, toughen up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So um, uh, moving forward, you know, what, like what's your what's a, what's a goal of yours? I know you have short and long term goals. Uh, what are those? If you can share um, with us. Uh, my long term goal is to become a counselor psychologist to serve uh, the, uh, my community uh, as well as black males. That's my. I, I think that's going to be my big focus of mine, especially with my athletic background. Mm-hmm. To open up the doors that I've seen at mostly average level, played professionally overseas, mm-hmm. and had friends in the NBA. And, you know, I, I and I want to add a major on a major platform in a college setting as a Power Five school at University of Missouri. Yeah. I think I think I can really reach a lot of guys and and making it acceptable and okay to get seeking professional help. I said, what better way for me to uh, for myself to get experience than telling my experience and, and taking it to the next level, of getting educated and becoming mm-hmm. a uh, counselor psychologist? Because it's not that many. It's I think that from what I read, it's like three percent black uh, psychologists in the wow. world. So for me, wow. so for me, that's very important because I think not only on a basketball tip, I want to be, I want to help people help my community out mm-hmm. in general because if you're good then I'm good I don't have to worry about no gunshot uh, or no so traumatic events reoccurring yeah. again so I think you gotta have somebody in those positions to see themselves and, and make it okay and I wanna make it alright to seek professional and uh, professional help as a uh, counselor psychologist short term goals and just building myself up uh, entering uh, a PhD program I actually applied to a couple so I'm waiting for a couple of responses uh, for next year and you know hopefully most likely, I will get in. I'm feeling confident. Uh, and hopefully, we'll have another virus or something come out to deter that yeah. <laughs> opportunity. But mm-hmm. other than that, or God willing or whatever, but mm-hmm. that's my short-term goal in the meantime. Uh, awesome, awesome, man. And for y'all, for those who don't know, Nafis Kenhu, he's really aggressive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, one year, we had a, uh, a Peace and Love Basketball League. His team actually won. Uh, that first year of the unlimited basketball league. Um, uh, so I appreciate you, you know, taking time out your day and coming on with us and sharing your experience and 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 just being open, being open and transparent about uh, the things that you know, the trauma that you experienced in your life and you know how to how how you move forward with it. You didn't forget about it, but you move forward with it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean, and and looking to change and make an impact in other people's lives, and that's awesome, man. And I, I wish you all the success. Uh, and before you go, uh, just if you could give us a statement or one thing that you want to leave uh, with the people, so they can remember you by. Uh, so my, my my slogan that I stand by is called "Before the Game." I had a name, so it's basically telling who you are before you enter any business or you become any. Uh, uh, athlete or whatever who are you internally like not the exterior not what people define you by but who are you internally and don't let sports define who you are or a job define who you are know yourself know yourself internally and, and man, be comfortable with who you are in the inside before you can show the world the outside because it might be a facade that you're living by on the exterior but really hurt in the inside got you man and I appreciate you once again thank you for coming on taking time out and ladies and gentlemen, that was Nafis Ricks, and we and we'll be talking soon, man. I, I like to have you back, uh, and like in a forum, um, uh, so to speak, and I'll, and I'll hit you back and, and and you know get with you through you know email or anything like that. All right. Absolutely, I appreciate your time. All right, see you later, man. Talk to you. All right. So there you have it, people. We'll be right back with 
the last words. Welcome back. Yeah, and I appreciate uh, Nafis for coming on again. Um, we will be having a form focus group uh, that will consist of some professionals, um, a psychologist, PhD doctor, and a uh, another doctor who owns, well, he's the founder and director of the organization that houses uh, children, um, and he provides phenomenal services uh, for the children of Philadelphia and the surrounding areas. So I'm going to reach out to them and uh, invite Nafis back, and we will delve deeper into the myth um, about black men and mental health. Um, I, I, I said I would, you know, tell a little bit about, you know, my struggles with mental health, and my struggles started, you know, when I was about maybe 14, 13 you know, in my middle years, um, pre-teen, teen, um, I struggled with anger, you know, all my life and not having, you know, coping skills or just using different ways to um, combat the anger um, when I um, became, it, it, you know, anger was so much, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it really impact me negatively um, in uh, middle school, high school, college, my first college experience um, at the University of Millersville, um, I lost a lot of uh, opportunities to attend um, better schools. Um, uh, it, it impacted me in um, just social relationships. Um, I remember one time um, it was a league in South Philadelphia uh, at 30th and Wharton. And um, my uncle, uh, Kenyatta, um, you know, asked me to play. But then he, he, he was kind of hesitant. And I wanted to play because I could play. But I was in high school. You know, I was, I think, going to the 12th grade. But he's like, you know, Anthony. That's, you know, at that time, Anthony, birth name. You know, you got to watch. You know, you get angry. You got to watch that. And I was like, I'm good. Oh, you know, right, nothing's going to happen. But for even for him, you know, he, you know, see me, see me grow up. You know, he's married to my aunt. So he realized that, you know, that, you know, at some point I may become angry and I'm, you know, I might can't control it. You know, it, it, that anger, man, it, it, it really... And people might not consider this a mental health issue, but it is. Anything that impacts your life uh, in a negative way or disrupts it and can cause pain, can cause trauma, can cause other people pain and trauma, and where you need assistance in dealing is a mental health issue. And, we, you know, anger can come in all types and uh, types and 
fashions and, and ways, uh, not just where's, you know, rah, rah, but, um, and, 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 I, and I need to say that the anger is one of the uh, major or uh, prominent feelings. And anger isn't bad. It's just what do you do when you get angry? What does the anger do to you? Are you able to control it? Because everybody gets angry. Everybody gets upset. So you see something you dislike, you get angry. But does it take over you? You know, and anger used to take over me in moments. It didn't last long. It would happen in moments. And, you know, those the, 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 the powers to be or the professionals call it a temper tantrum or just tantrum. So I used to have those as a uh, teenager, as a child, as a young adult, and now as an older adult. And they have, the, the tantrums have lessened as an older adult because of the religion of Islam. The religion of Islam provided me a way to deal with my anger in a positive manner. However, there are some occasions where I feel like I'm, you know, being treated unjustly or I see injustice happen and I want to, you know, do something about it. And that's called passion. However, you can't let the passion become too heavy where it is now deemed anger. Because as a black man, a six foot three black man, 200 or something pounds, me being angry can lead to me losing my life. Physically and socially, I can be incarcerated. And so we know what they say about black men, that we are angry. However, you know, again, like I said, is one of the prominent feelings. We have to not let the anger take over us. So that's my mental health issue uh, that I still deal with to this day. Being 40, uh, almost 50. I still deal with it to this day, and you know, I always want to get that 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 stigma off of me that I'm an angry person um, because I'm not. I just you know have an anger issue that I'm learning to deal with, even again at this stage of my life. All right, and so talking about it will help a little bit more will allow me to gain more coping skills, will allow me to gain some support around it because other men may deal with this type of anger as well. So my last word is, why do we don't see men cry until we see a man die? Again, how come we don't see a man cry until we see a man die? I'm out. Still in your head, I'm dead in the middle of two generations. I'm little bro and big bro all at once. Just left the lab with young 21 Savage. I'm about to go on me, jiggle for lunch. Had a long talk with the young nigga Kodak. Reminded me of young niggas from Ville. Straight out the project, no faking, just honest. I wish that he had more guidance for real. Too many niggas in cycle of jail. Spending their birthdays inside of a cell. We coming from a long bloodline of trauma. We raised by our mamas, all we got a hill. We hurting our sisters, the babies as well. We killing our brothers, they poison the well. Distorted self-image, we set it to fail. I'ma make sure that the real gon' prevail, nigga
I just poured something in my cup. I've been wanting something.